0: Deeply passionate about following patient care from beginning to end, our next guest is creating opportunities for underserved communities to equitably access excellent healthcare across our nation. Cody Hall, founder and CEO of Octiva Healthcare, joins us to discuss how he and his team are partnering with facilities to provide telehealth and hybrid-based wraparound services for his customers' existing operations. Additionally, Cody shares why he launched Octiva Healthcare, the ups and downs of being a startup founder, and what Octiva Healthcare's long-term vision is. Join us for this uplifting and important conversation to learn how Cody and the Octiva Healthcare team enable access to excellent healthcare. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Facelli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Cody, welcome to our podcast. I'm thrilled to meet up with you today. Thrilled
1: to be here, Mike.
0: Well, given your passion for the lived experience of healthcare patients and the journey you are on to create a better future, I'm eager for our conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter. And Clubhouse, in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Cody, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Octiva healthcare team create opportunities for underserved communities to equitably access excellent healthcare. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate
1: about reimagining the health of our world? I would say that it's easy to identify the problem harder to fix them.
0: It is absolutely. You look at healthcare; it's pretty darn complex. And then when you want to start creating some solutions to solve for it, you realize it's maybe even a little bit more complex. And we're going to get into it a little bit later in the episode here. How Octiva Healthcare came to be, the problems you're solving, but is that also just a mindset in general that it's always that easier said than done thing, right? Like, do you apply that to you know making sure you truly understand what you're getting yourself into and ensuring that it's going to take a lot to find success? It may not be a straight line. It's not easy, but man, the sweet taste of success on the internet, isn't that a good feeling?
1: I agree. It's definitely something you can apply to everywhere. I just have seen a lot of people waste a lot of time and money jumping into healthcare, the Bezos, and everyone jumping in really quick to change things. And you know, you see them back out later on because you're like, we can just get in there and fix it. That's all we have to do. And you get in there and there's like that one layer is now 10 layers. So it's difficult.
0: And how important has it been on your journey? You know, And again, we're going to really focus today and on- on Octiva and everything you guys are building there. But like you said, let's understand the problem first. I see it time and again with entrepreneurs. They'll go build a solution, then try to go and find a home for it. How important is it to reverse that and go and find what the problem is, find what is that pain point and then solve for it?
1: Well, so I'm a compliance officer in healthcare. So I've been a chief compliance officer for a while. And one of the biggest things they get everyone in healthcare is regulations and the things that govern us and how we do our work. So understanding the red tape, Definitely makes it easier where you apply a solution. She's like, oh, I'm just going to do, I'm going to take A to B. And they're like, no, no, no. There's a wall between A and B. You have to go to C, E, F, and then back around to B. So that's how healthcare is. And if you know that you have a good directional that compass, you'll do well.
0: I agree 100%. percent you got to fully understand all sides of the marketplace in healthcare because it's not just two sides. There's multiple stakeholders in this in order to truly deliver value in the industry and solve for those pain points. And we're going to talk about what you guys are solving for at octiva after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor located in denver colorado's nationally ranked river north district catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real lasting change our nation desperately needs from established organizations to startups from accelerators to advocacy organizations and from medical schools to global companies Everyone at Catalyst works side-by-side side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, CirrusMD, MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit catalysthealthtech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Cody Hall, CEO of Octiva. Cody, great to have you again here today. Thank you so much for joining up and thank you for setting the stage. Finding the problems and then building solutions for it. We're going to talk about that today here about Octiva and what the problems you're solving for with the company, why you launched it in the first place. You know, what does that experience like? Like you mentioned, you come from that compliance officer framework and, and that's your history. But what happened? What, what were the aha moments of launching the startup and the successes you guys are having today? And then, of course, we're going to talk a little future state. Where do you see things heading? Where's the company going to go with that future state and that crystal ball that we're going to pull off the shelf here soon? And, of course, how we can help you. But first, Cody, take it back. Where did this start coming into focus in the first place, the birth of Octiva, and why?
1: You know, it started off when I entered healthcare. Titanium Healthcare came on board and started getting involved with really revolutionizing the way the organization did businesses with systems and business intelligence tools. And I was saying from the very beginning of 2020 that we have to get into healthcare from the virtual perspective, the ability to access and to kind of bridge those geographical barriers that prevent folks from actually accessing healthcare. And so we can't do that by having a clinic 100 miles from folks. We need to be able to go where they are. And so it kind of evolved from there and eventually spun off as a JV from multiple companies. And then funny enough, the model of Octiva, I came up with in a dream, kind of thinking about these different bubbles of healthcare, these different islands, and how can you connect them both to make money as well as to do it appropriately from the compliance perspective.
0: Now, obviously, 2020, interesting time in history that we, I think, will always look back at. The world changed, and I still remember it mid-March. Unbelievable. Cody, were you already seeing some of, you know, a lot of this whole notion of virtual health, connecting where the patient is, et cetera? And these needs in the marketplace, were you already seeing that those needs already starting to form up even before the crisis, the pandemic hit?
1: Very much so. I remember early January, actually having a conversation with the CEO of Titanium saying we should really get into telehealth. Whether it was a new division, a department, this is the direction we should go. We should start focusing on a more geographically dispersed and virtual team from organizational cost perspective, but also from the ability to kind of be omnipresent anywhere at all times versus being geographically locked to LA or San Francisco. So I saw it as a benefit. And why
0: was that? Were you seeing, was it a driver from the end consumer? Was it the care teams? What was it?
1: Great question. And so it came from the program we were in, which at the first, at that moment was the HHP, which is a enhanced care management through CalAIM. And so you have a bunch of care coordinators supporting all these patients throughout LA and California, but they had to drive there every day. We're talking, you know, in LA, if you have Three folks in three different areas of LA, that's an entire day for three patients. And then you have these folks furnishing their own vehicles and then they're incurring mileage. They're getting reimbursed, but it's, it's difficult. It's not an effective waste of uh, effective use of time. And so I was like, why can't we do all this virtually? It was a questionnaire that could have been answered over the phone, but we weren't even allowed to do that. So when all this was taking place. I'm like, wow, we're over here trying to figure out how to provide affordable cars to our team members when we should really be thinking about how can we access these patients while not driving.
0: Now, of course, that sounds good in theory, but were the patients interested in that as well?
1: So the patients took quite well. So I remember March 16th very well in 2020 when the world flipped upside down. And I was on my way to Vegas where we're like, hey, listen, COVID's running rampant. We should take everyone virtual. And we went to our biggest payer at the time at Titanium and said, hey, listen, we're not going to send our team to see folks in person anymore. And they came back to us and said, well, we're not going to pay you. And we're like, okay, we'll see the patients. We'll care for the patients. However, we're going to do this telephonically. A week later, they called us and were like, hey, you know what? We're actually going to reimburse you because CalAIM and Medi-Cal itself is saying go virtual. So we went virtual and we went from being able to see three patients in one day to being able to see five patients in one day and the team became happier, but the ability to touch patients became a lot more, not such a high cost for time and for the actual logistics.
0: I absolutely love it, I love it. And so with that Cody and that experience you mentioned earlier, that's where Octiva started to come into focus. And so take us into that. You said, you mentioned you had a dream about it. Take us into the, you know, pull the cover back a bit. How did that all come to be?
1: Yeah, so I see everything in healthcare as like islands and you have your emergency departments, your clinics and your hospitals and they're all very separated, right? And oftentimes, there's no bridges or planes that get you between these different islands. And so, Titanium also is involved with transitional care management from the high-risk perspective. And I was like thinking, all these patients leave every day to go back to the community, all of them. And some of them fail for the most simple reasons, whether it's too expensive of medication, or their medication was sent to the wrong direction, or They don't have a primary care and they don't even know where to start. The primary care says, sorry, you're not registered with us. All these multitude of really small, low-hanging fruit that prevent people from being successful that result in unnecessary readmissions over and over again every day. It's happening right now. What I was thinking is is all these patients, hundreds of them a month, why aren't we supporting all of them? Instead of just identifying this patient who belongs to this group or this patient who belongs to this age group of Medicare Medicaid, this IPA why don't we attach ourselves to the hospital and provide virtual case management, care coordination, and just a multitude of what we refer to as biopsychosocial needs, make sure they're being met and then help the entire population transition successfully. And so that's kind of, I just saw all these people falling through these cracks and we're just saying, well, they don't meet the risk stratification minimum. So they're low risk. And then they go back and they fail for little social things that we overlook every time.
0: And you saw this is not just a problem in the geographic area you're talking about in Southern California. This is a systemic national issue.
1: Absolutely. It's in every community, every state across the United States. And it it comes from this idea. It's everyone. And listen, there are amazing hospitals, payers and groups out there, but it's everyone focusing on the things that they need to focus on, which is making their revenue. They're all for-profit organizations and they also have to make a living. They also need to pay their staff. And so if they're not obligated to support those patients beyond some type of financial uh, repercussion, then the patient's probably not gonna get supported. So we push these patients back to the community and the readmission rate goes up. And And I, I've sat there in rooms with people saying, well, the readmission's good for us. Why would we not want them to come back? How about the patient doesn't wanna come back? All right, how about that patient wants to go back to being healthy and in the community? And so it really just feeds this system. It's like, not my patient, not my problem. We did our part at the hospital you know, we did our part at the, the ED and they have to push them out because they're going to lose everything in terms of money if they care for patients that they're not compensated to care for. So the model is not built. The healthcare is not built to care for those patients unless they're able to get reimbursed for it.
0: No, it is true. That could be a whole other series of episodes in all and in of itself.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So, that one real quick. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there you are. It's coming into focus. you having these, uh, you know, visioning sessions of what could be the art of the possible. So then... Octiva is born. So, with that, Cody, I know you're an entrepreneur, you're building this company, you got the elevator pitch down. What is Octiva Healthcare?
1: Octiva Healthcare is an organization that focuses on the bio, psycho, and social models, behavior, the medical, and the social elements that impact a patient's ability to be successful in healthcare. By leveraging both medical resources, behavioral, and social resources, we help bridge those gaps. So we give patients the ability to access the things that are very accessible in their community that they may not know exist. Whether that's support leaving the hospital, going back to the community, or supporting primary carers, which we do in their after hours and weekends, giving them a one place to go to access this entire web of information. So really what we're there for is 24 seven to support patients in their time of transition. When the patient's moving from hospital to clinic, from clinic to hospital, or they're in the process of seeking care from the community.
0: And give me so break it down practically and tactically. What does that mean? So give us maybe some examples of what that tactically looks like.
1: Yeah. So what we do is we, our hospital models, we partner with the hospital and the case management team, and we take referrals from patients that don't have primary cares or request additional support or maybe face a high bio or psycho need as they're transitioning back to the community. And we basically extend the case management support out 30 days. So if they have a triage call or they want to know what's going on with their stomach at one o'clock in the morning, or they couldn't pick up their medication or they went to the pharmacy and they said the medication wasn't there. We have the nurse and the care coordination and the provider support to be able to undo those little tangles and keep the patient moving forward in their transition Versus sending them back to the hospital, which in their mind, the patient thinks, listen, I don't know what medication is, but I know the doctor at the hospital gave it to me. I'm going back to the emergency department. You know what? My stomach's been hurting me ever since I just had an ulcer. I'm going back to the hospital. Or they have heart failure or COPD, like an exacerbation of all these various things, especially for patients who just had an acute episode and maybe be scared. They're scared of, do I need to go back to the hospital? Or do I have a risk of a further exacerbation of my condition? But we're able to jump in there and support them 24-7 during that 30-day transition. And that gives them the ability to get the information and support while in transit versus going back to the hospital.
0: Well, I appreciate that. That really brings to light what you guys are building there at Octiva And Cody, of course, I'm a huge fan of us needing as an industry to go from fee-for-service to value-based care. Trust me. So I'm about to ask a devil's advocate question but I preface with, please, no, I am a uh, rooting it on. I hope it happens a lot faster than, of course, it's taking forever, as we all know. How do you answer that to what you just mentioned earlier? Well, we want that patient back. That's a billable event. How do you answer that when somebody in healthcare mentions that to you that, well, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what we're trying to achieve,
1: whether it be good or bad? Well, I let those folks know that their time is limited. <laughs> so value-based care is coming and Octiva is built for value-based care. We focus on the community. The- the two most important players in Octiva is the patient, which is we are hashtag patient first is our team's motto, but also the primary care. We believe that patients need to seek care in the community and that's where they're successful. And so that's what we focus on. And those folks in the hospital who want those patients to come back, they're part of a larger issue that has been plaguing healthcare for quite some time. And eventually their model will fail. And it's the folks who focus on making sure the patient have a great experience, the experience in healthcare, seeing it as customer service, seeing from that side of things, they'll have to adjust for the times or they themselves will disappear.
0: Now, what I also love about value-based care, this is something I'm a big proponent of, and this is why I also want to get there too, is having the patient or having the consumer, they have some skin in the game as well, right? We've been inoculated as a society in, in the orthodoxy of, well, well, if Dr. Cody says, I'm going to do this, I got to do this. And, and, you know, just always taking orders kind of thing as a patient and a consumer not taking any responsibility or having your own skin in the game is part of your model to do that, to have the patient part of the journey, not just the journey. Does that make sense?
1: It absolutely does. And to clarify, I know you knew it was a joke. I am not a doctor. That is a very scary thought process. Uh, <laughs> For this episode,
0: let's pretend.
1: (laughs) For the sake of the example, but I'm not a physician. Yes. So from that, the patient is heavily involved. You know, one of the things that we do when a patient is identified as someone who could benefit from Octiva, we'll refer to as suitability. We go and we sit down with them. One of our team members explains to them the value of the program and how, you know, if you have a caregiver, we're great. We're here to make sure that caregiver has the ability to phone a nurse. Phone a provider at a moment's notice, and so we really sit down with the patients to get their buy-in. Now there are patients; non-compliance is a thing, right? So there are patients, but we average in around eighty-five percent compliance for folks who enroll inside the facility. So if they say yes inside the facility, eighty-five percent chance that they will show up for their twenty-four to forty-eight hour call with our nurse team, which will put them on their care pathway towards a 30-day successful transition. And we do, I mean, we average well below 5% on our readmissions for all of our population. Oh, wow. That's fantastic.
0: So, Cody, what's been some of the feedback from whether it be your patient or your your care navigators? What's that feedback been like with the tools and the abilities that you're giving all of them?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been really successful. From the patient side, we have a 98% patient satisfaction. So every patient, uh, when they engage, with this triage or the case management or care coordination, They all get a phone survey, an email survey. And so we, our team makes hundreds of calls a day, you know, thousands, thousands of calls a month. And we receive about 500 surveys a month and we average in and around 98% satisfactory and an around of nine of 10 likelihood of engaging Octiva during the 30 day transition. From the team side, whether it's the primary cares we partner with for after hour support or it's from the hospital. The biggest thing comes down to being able to have peace of mind. Case management teams, they do amazing work and the time that they have to prepare that patient for discharge, and then they discharge that patient. So being able to know that Octiva is going to be there to so sometimes what we refer to as bolting on the wings as we're taking off. Some things may not all be tight and knit by the time that patient leaves the hospital, but Octiva swoops in, you know, gets in the dialysis appointments, you know, gets in the testing they need as they're going back to the community. And on the primary care side, it's the ability for these providers who have smaller practices, whether it's one to seven, the ability to turn off their phones when they're done for the day. Physician burnout is a real problem. It's been a problem, but since 2020, it's been a real problem. And so being able to support practices that used to be, if you're a primary care practice, you're on your own, figure it out. You're your own physician, 15 to 2,000 patients, they're your panel, manage them, right? We come in, we give them the ability to hang their hat up at five o'clock. And not worry about the weekends and know that someone's not going to steal their patients. That's a big thing We and because we're so focused on the primary care succeeding.
0: Absolutely love it. And it is a piece of healthcare that we have to double and triple down on is the primary care experience. I couldn't agree more with you there, Cody. And you know, some of the areas as well that I'm hopeful that you and the Octiva team will be serving is that rural care environment, right? We have a major crisis in our rural communities, uh, commu- underserved communities, right those are big areas that I see huge opportunity as well. I think that we have a big opportunity, especially us as health technologists, entrepreneurs and innovators, that we can really help move the needle in those spaces as well.
1: I agree. and that's one of the biggest things that we're finding a lot of success with is critical access facilities, uh, smaller hospitals. We have a couple of them that we support. Uh, we also have various FQHCs that we give after our support for. FQHCs, once again, they're climbing up a vertical mountain. And so being able to help them retain their physicians by not burning out, by giving them someone to take over their evening and weekends calls, it helps their patients who are very high-risk patients, oftentimes the Medicaid patients, who we know are going to leverage heavily the emergency department, not because they want to, but because they feel like they have no other choice. Maybe it's the closest. Maybe they don't know the difference between urgent care and emergency department. So we're there for the organizations who need us most. And then we're also there, we have concierge partners as well, who are just happy not to have to work on the nights and weekends as well. So I always say, whether it's just that extra inch or that final mile, we're there for the patient and for the partner. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it.
0: Well, Cody, let's look a little future state now it's time to pull that uh, crystal ball off the shelf. We're going to grab it, take a look at it. You know, a lot of things have changed. You you know, you mentioned it, the world turned upside down mid-March of 2020 and things have only, you know, continued to change more and more rapidly. And I don't think anything's slowing down. You know, you and I obviously know that value-based care is coming. Some people would like it here faster than others. I have my hand raised for all of our audience, right? What are you and the team seeing over the next two to three years not just in the marketplace, uh, you know, kind of writ large, but also where Octiva is heading. Look in that crystal ball. Give us a little bit of what you're seeing in the future here.
1: Well, from the outside of Octiva, the environment, obviously we're seeing a change towards the value-based care. I think that wall is going to come very quick for those who aren't planning for it. And I think it's very important that we get there because the fact is, is us as a healthcare should have a, an invested interest in the patient's success. You know, not just serving them for that incremental moment in time that they were in our waiting room or they were in our bed, but for their entire journey and taking some upside and downside to that. Because I think that if there's more upside, I think that Medicare's one percent penalty for readmissions three years later is a brilliant thought process in terms of thought when it was put in with the you know the uh, Obamacare when it came into play. However, it's, 1% is not enough. It's not enough to penalize the organizations to really care enough for the revenue that they're going to gain for readmission. So seeing the environment of healthcare being more keen and more accepting to getting on board before they're forced would be nice, uh, that would be one thing. Most of the hospital partners being able to understand, well, how does my readmission rates make me look? Also, being able to support the hospital, it's not about just saying reduce your readmission rate. But how are we supporting them in being able to reduce their length of stay and being able to provide the patient what they need sooner than later so that they can make an effective and timely discharge? So it's both back scratching each other. From the side of Octiva, uh, we're going to continue growing with our partners right now. We're in Nevada and California for the hospital side of things, but we're in Nevada, California, Georgia, Florida, for after-hours support for primary cares. And it's important for us to continue being able to express value to our hospital partners so that they understand that There needs to be support for the mass, what we refer to as a community bound of patients. So I think in the next couple of years, we'll probably be about five times our size. You know, we're getting ready, going through compliance. We're going through regulatory review right now. We're our biggest partner, which I think is going to clear a lot of headwinds for us to be able to grow to other states. And I think that as hospitals see the value that we're gaining and being able to collect it with imperial data, they'll be able to see the purpose of having the support organization like Octiva for when their patients leave their facilities.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. So let's rein it back into the current state as well then, Cody, in order to go future state and to, to think about that, you know, massive growth that you're seeing in the crystal ball, if you will, what can we be doing today? What can our community? We have an incredible community rallied around this podcast around the nation. What can this community be doing? So what's that one problem need or question that you and the team have that this community can be helping you with?
1: Well you know the biggest thing for us is just being able to have those conversations with key shareholders inside the hospitals, whether it's the facility itself or the group level or the division level, and being able to express to them the value of having a program that focuses on providing patients this resources they need which in turn will deliver more timely discharge because if there's less headwinds to discharging, you can discharge them sooner, as well as when they are discharged, it's an effective discharge. So being able to create a healthy environment for quick discharges, uh, it's being able to have those conversations. And so for the CFOs, CEOs, and the chief nursing officers, the directors of case management, those are the folks who are going to have the real seat at the table when being able to bring on a partner like Octiva. Because ultimately, we want to make their facility healthier as well as their community.
0: I love it. Well, in order for them to get a hold of you, of course, Cody, where can they find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? How can they track you down?
1: Yeah, I am very active on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn forward slash C-O-D-H-A-L is where you can always message me. And our website's a great place to go. We have various forms of contact as well as the organization's info email and all those will get routed to me for business development. Whether it's questions on what we're doing or understanding more about us, our website is always pretty up to date.
0: Excellent. And all those contact points are in the episode notes. So in your favorite podcast player, Simply scroll down and click on through to get a hold of Cody and the Octiva team. Again, down in the episode notes, just click on through, or you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for this episode where you can get a hold of Cody, as well as leave any comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Cody, as we continue to wrap it up here on this episode with you, it's been an awesome conversation. We're almost out of here, but I have one more item for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? It's who
1: I am. I'm, as one CEO once said, I'm unhirable. <laughs> so I don't see the need for having left and right lateral limits and being confined to constructs of other organizations and other people's dreams and mindset. There are people out there that fit into those organizations and those purposes very well. I am not that person. I don't sit on my hands and I don't stay quiet. And so this is why I'm here to renovate healthcare and be able to do the things that we need to do to care for the people in this world.
0: I love it. I love it. Because if it's not going to be you, then who's it going to be, right? We got to throw some of those chairs go. through the windows, <laughs> flip some tables. This industry needs it, and there's nothing wrong with causing a little good trouble along the way. So I agree. I love it. Well, Cody, thank you so much for getting together today and sharing all the wonderful things happening within the Octiva family. We're rooting you on. This community, I know, is going to be behind you and continue to further that conversation, the opportunity for you guys to make those marks within our industry because it's needed now more than ever. But for now, Cody, thank you so much for joining up today. Thank
1: you, Mike. Have a good day.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli.